culture has launched a new phrase in recent years. It's reserved for folks who either get distracted with non-essentials or bogged down with negative thinking. You've heard the statement, hey man, get a life. Well, today on Insight for Living, as we turn our eyes toward a brand new year, that's the challenge from Chuck Swindoll. Strength, discipline, and balance don't come to us naturally. It takes deliberate effort. And if you're looking to make the most of 2014, be ready to take notes. Before we hear Chuck's sermon, we'll prepare our hearts in prayer. Today's subject, another year, get a life. It occurred to me this morning as I was preparing uh, to come to this uh, time of worship with you that it is my privilege regularly to tell you about the greatest news in the world. And that is how we can have life that lasts beyond this one. I suppose it seemed meaningful to me since just this week we lost a long, long time friend of ours who uh, died in California and there was a memorial service for him. Not an old man, middle-aged, one who had lived a wonderful life and thankfully was ready for the life beyond. But you need to understand, in case this is all new information, that you're really not ready to live until you're ready to die. And if we wait till we have died, we have waited too long. There is no purgatory. No place where we are held in the balance until someone pays enough money or praise enough prayers to spring us free and get us at least by our fingertips to the edge of heaven. It's not like that. You're either secure in your faith or you were lost. You either know for certain that when you die, you will be with God or you do not. That's not an arrogant statement. It's simply a true statement that you won't hear outside a church that tells you the truth. You who have the Son, S-O-N, have the life. If you do not have the Son of God, you do not have the life. Jesus himself said to his closest friends, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. So it's important that you know the way. And you know the way by trusting in the one who tells you the truth. That's Jesus. I'd like us to bow for prayer. And as we do, this is a great occasion for any of you who have not yet received the Lord Jesus to do so in this quiet moment as we pray. True words are recorded here before us. Teach us to number our days 
Make us aware, Lord, of how brief life is so that uh, our knowledge and our own accomplishments may be replaced with the wisdom of the ages. Thank you, Father, for communicating to us in various ways in the unfolding of these 12 months of how fragile and how brief life is. Some have had a brush with death. Some have come so close they could almost feel it around them. And there are those who have even passed from this earth into your presence. So, our Father, as you uh, take us from this year to the next by your grace, may we use this time to prepare for a better tomorrow. May we realize that uh, you, you mean it when you say that we are to seek first your things, the kingdom of God and your righteousness, so that all the other things might fall in place. Teach us the ability to choose the right priorities. Guard us from the fear of tomorrow, but keep us from the foolishness of thinking that, that the enemy lays down his arms as we face these 12 months. We are in a warfare, a battle, and we realize that he would like nothing more than to capture our attention and win our hearts in these coming months. So steal us and prepare us for what may lie before us. We thank you for the privilege of worship and the place to do so, and we give you our thanks for the joy of giving to your work and for your cause. May our gifts be given all for the right reason and be used only for the right purposes as we commit this offering now to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said, amen. special time-sensitive message from Chuck Swindoll, looking ahead to the new year. For helpful resources on today's topic, go online to insightworld.org. And now the sermon, Another Year, Get a Life. First thought I want to leave with you as we look back is that God is God and we are not. And he makes certain in the passing of time that all of us go through periods when we must turn to him, when we don't know the answer, when we have reached the end of our own rope. God is God, we are not. In case you need a contrast, he is infinite, we are all finite. He is eternal, we are all temporal and transitory. I like the way Brennan Manning writes of this. There is a chronic temptation to reduce God to human dimensions, to express him in manageable ideas. Human reason seeks to understand, to reduce everything to its own terms, but God is God.
He is more than a superhuman being with an intellect keener than ours. He is unique, uncreated, infinite, totally other than we are. He surpasses and transcends all human concepts, considerations, and expectations. He is beyond anything we can intellectualize or imagine. That is why God is a scandal to men and women, because he cannot be comprehended by a finite mind. In today's terms, you can't get your head around him. He is bigger than all that you can imagine. He is greater than the greatest, stronger than the strongest, unpredictable, at the same time holy, righteous, pure, and just. God is God. And we are not. By focusing on the Lord himself, the Lord our God, you will find that your life and the things you're going through do not gain such significance. God has a way of eclipsing all other uh, events and, and, and thoughts. So God is God and we are not. The psalm continues to describe all that God does. Look at verse 3. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, mortals. For you, uh, Lord, you, God, a, a thousand years are as a passing day, as, as brief as a few night hours. So true. With God, there, there is no tick of the clock. There is no change of seasons. There is no alteration of the weather. But with us, it is all of those things that mark our lives. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They are like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning it blooms and flourishes, but by evening it is dry and, and it is withered. Verse 8, you spread our sins before you, our secret sins. You, you, you see them all. Verse 10, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. Uh, I look around the group today and I would say some even live beyond 80. And so it is. But how aware we are of the, of, of the brevity of life, certainly in comparison to God's endless existence. Even uh, the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear. And we, and we fly away. So he prays, verse 12, in light of the brevity of life and the fragility of life, teach us, teach us to realize the brevity of life that we may grow in, in wisdom. Second thought for you to remember as you look back. God controls and we do not. Oh, we think we do, and on occasion, we guess right. But we have no control over that. I pray over the sick and want them to be well, and sometimes they die. Because I cannot control their life. I give counsel to those who come and ask, and, and my advice, I think, is biblical and trustworthy. And they don't necessarily take it. Or they disagree with it, which is their choice. I can't control anyone's response. God can. God does. We do not. 
As you look back over your life, there is nothing you can say about it that would cause you to say God was out of control there. He's always in control. Now, what makes it complicated is he doesn't check with us. We, we would like a little rap on our door, or at least on our window pane, or every once in a while we sink our heads in a pillow at night, a little whisper, hey, Chuck, this is God. How would you like tomorrow to run? Never have had that experience in my life. I would love to have that experience. Then I would tell him what he needs to do. Oh, give me a few more hours, Lord. Don't take me right now for saying that. I, I, I cannot tell him what to do. I stay silent in his presence. I'm in awe of him. And as long as I've walked with him, I've learned over the years to back away. Let him be God. Let him do the controlling. Take hands off. Now the problem is we get pretty educated. We get pretty skilled in what we do. We get fairly good at it. Because of that, we are remunerated for it or we are praised by some because of it. None of it changes God. He isn't in awe of us. He isn't impressed. He isn't worried. How good is that? Doesn't matter to him who the president is. I, I know, I know. <laughs> Doesn't matter who Congress is. They're not doing anything anyway. So he's not worried about it. It doesn't bother him. Decisions they make, God is God. God is in control. We're not. We may be a magnificent country. We may be able to make decisions in the liberty and freedoms we enjoy. We don't call our own shots. Remind yourself of that in the next year. He controls, we do not. He determines, we cannot. It is so like him to do that. And our lives at best are brief. You see the analogies? A few night hours, like dreams that disappear, like grass that withers and dries up. Our, our blessings and our trials come and go. I, I urge you in the new year to reflect on uh, God's controlling the affairs of your life. Get out of your vocabulary words like accidents or uh, circumstantial, as if it were by chance. God has planned our lives, and that includes the future. As we look back, we have discovered that we can trust him, as he has proven himself faithful over and over again. So when we look into the future, there is, there is nothing to fear, and I'm grateful. I've learned that the perspective of looking back and seeing how things unfolded or worked together for his good and glory, I'm grateful. I'm grateful I didn't get that wish that I thought was very important. Now, that's the past. Now, turn quickly to Philippians 3. This is some of the greatest writing Paul ever put into print. And if you're looking for a verse to make your verse of the year, without hesitation, I would suggest Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10. Put your finger on the verse and then listen to the Amplified Bible 
and how it renders the verse. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. And that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, to his death. Magnificent verse of scripture. As I come to Philippians 3, I move from the past to the present. We've looked back. We've learned that God is God and we're not. God controls and we do not. Now, when we get to Philippians 3, we come to this ever-present now. Travel with me. I'm now looking around at my current setting. The reason I love this part of it, this is where decisions are made. Stay with me. You don't make decisions yesterday. That's done. You can't make decisions tomorrow. That's yet to be lived. You can only make them now. So Paul says, my determined purpose as I consider my life is that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable to his death. That I may know him in such a way that his suffering is, is, is my suffering and his life becomes my life. Now, with that in mind, with that in mind, verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on. Watch closely here. I I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Uh, No, no, dear, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. Here you are. Here's the present. Rarely do you find such words in the Bible. I focus on this one thing. What is that? Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Let those words burn creases into your brain. I forget the past and I anticipate if you will, I stand on tiptoe looking forward to the future. And in the meantime, I press on. I press on. A great way to end every email is pressing on. A great way to close every letter, pressing on. A great response to anyone's asking how you're doing, pressing on, pressing on. Now, let me give you an analogy that you won't forget. I hope you won't. Let's say you're a book. You're a book. The front cover is your birth. The back cover is your death. In between birth and death are years. They're the pages. They're the pages. The pages that have been written and read are here The pages yet to be read are there. So here's my take on what we just read. 
close that chapter, turn the page to this one. Okay? How do I press on? That's how. Because as I understand human nature, uh, we all tend to draw from the past things that are defeating and discouraging. There were relationships that we had hoped to cultivate that didn't get cultivated. Or we tried, we did our best, we did everything we knew to do, and it, and, and, and it failed. It hasn't been what you would have wanted, so there is regret. Uh, you haven't lived up to what you had anticipated, so there is a guilt that's a part of the past. Other people have let you down. You anticipated one thing and, and it didn't come to pass. So there is disappointment. Uh, if it's happened enough, there can even be disillusionment over the past. Close the chapter. Don't drag the chapter into this present reading or for the pages yet future. Close the chapter. Some of you have been married before. It was a miserable experience. Uh, for, for whatever reason, it stands in your mind as a dreadful episode of years. You didn't do everything right, and your spouse didn't do everything right, but that, that, that's history, we say. Close the chapter. The marriage is over. If you do not close that chapter, you will never know what it is to walk in victory. Victory comes when we truly understand that God is God and we are not. You're listening to a special edition of Insight for Living and a message from Chuck Swindoll titled, Another Year, Get a Life. Find the entire message online when you go to insightworld.org. Well, at Insight for Living, we're always looking for ways to reinforce our ministry partnership with you by providing resources that inspire a deeper walk with God. And when we can't find just the right item, we'll invent one for you. And that's the case with our December resource created by our ministry team in Canada. It's a book that deals with 10 relevant topics, such as overcoming anger, anxiety, and conflict. The book is called Help Me Understand How the Bible Speaks to My Pain. And when you give an end-of-the-year donation, you're invited to request a copy. When we're confused and discouraged, sometimes the last place we turn is the Bible. And yet the Scriptures not only contain answers, but compassion as well. If you're listening in the United States, call 1-800-772-8888. Chuck? Pause and think back over the last 12 months. Have you had a few surprises along the way? Has the plot in your life gone off script? Taken a few unexpected twists and turns? a few hills and valleys you hadn't anticipated. On occasion, mine has too. But of this we can be sure, while our ever-changing life story is being written every day, our God, the author of life, will never change. You see, in the 13th chapter of Hebrews, this promise appears. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. 
So we read in verses 8 and 9 of the New Living Translation. As God provides the resources and gives us grace, that is our commitment to you. Insight for Living will be here throughout 2014, just like we've been here for more than 34 years every single day of the week, Monday through Friday, including the holidays during the week. So we need your help, and never more so than right now. As you glance back over the year 2013, reflect on your life story. And while you do, think about the role our program has provided in giving you biblical direction and personal encouragement. And in light of that, please give a generous financial donation before the end of this year. In order for us to finish this year on target and all the opportunities that God has placed before us for this next year, we must receive a huge outpouring of financial support from faithful friends. And I am talking to you. Yes, you. God is the one who writes our future. We remain profoundly grateful that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here's how to respond to Chuck Swindoll. You can go online to insight.org. Or if you're listening in the United States, call us at 1-800-772-8888. And when you give a donation today, remember to ask for the book, Help Me Understand, How the Bible Speaks to My Pain. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support. If you're listening in the United States, call 1-800-772-8888. And if you'd like to automate your giving to Insight for Living, We'd love to welcome you as one of our monthly companions. The process is simple by going to insight.org slash monthly companion. Hear the conclusion to Chuck Swindoll's message, Another Year, Get a Life, Monday on Insight for Living. The preceding message, Another Year, Get a Life was copyrighted in 2012 and the sound recording was copyrighted in 2013 by Charles R. Swindoll, Inc. All rights are reserved worldwide.